Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. Today is Friday, January 13th. It is seven minutes after 11, and you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So pressure is growing on the Biden administration to release visitor logs from his Wilmington, Delaware home after revelations came out that classified documents were stored there in his garage and in an adjacent room. And Representative Elise Stefanik said, we need to know why President Biden has refused to release his visitor logs. While classified documents were hidden in the garage, when foreign visitors with off-the-books meetings could have had access to the information. And we also know that Hunter Biden, who is under federal investigation for possible tax and foreign lobbying violations, has listed that Delaware address as his own residence. This is the address that Hunter has on his driver's license. So Hunter Biden is also shown to have discussed the Biden Penn Center, the think tank, in emails before it even launched. So Hunter's walking around, other people possibly walking around. Is it too much to ask that we want to know who's been and out of this place where classified documents were stored? Well, and it is interesting how this is going to unfold because, as we talked about, they made the bed. And I say this because there was a time where whatever the rules were, were the rules we went by, right? Good for the goose, good for the gander sort Mm -hmm. of thing. But now it doesn't matter anymore because we just ignore the rules when we don't like the rules. And people don't really pay attention to the rules because people are embedded in their little camp of whatever's right and wrong. So there was a time where we said, yeah, Biden's probably in big trouble on this because Mm -hmm. they've thrown the book at Trump. Okay, those are the rules. This guy, that guy, everybody plays by the same in the same cup of stew. That doesn't work anymore. The Department of Justice, the FBI, they have all proven, hey, we're just going to do what we're going to do because we are a weaponized group of people against the American people based on whether we like you or not. Social media operates that way, et cetera. We've long pondered, how has Rob Kendall never been thrown off social media for all the highly offensive things I say? And I've always been convinced of this, and I think Mm -hmm. part of the Twitter file stuff has proven I'm mean to everyone you're an equal opportunity offender and there's probably been times where i've said hyper offensive things about the democrats and somebody somewhere has just gone oh this guy's yeah he's really mean to the republicans who let him stay Mm -hmm. but so i just don't the rules don't matter anymore so you're right there was a there's a time on all this where you'd say biden's probably in really big trouble over this based on what trump went through but because they've said it the rules don't matter anymore we just make them up as we go along it's a our, our society has become a real life version of whose line is it anyway the television show mm-hmm. where the game's made up and the rules don't matter he may actually skate on this and nothing may happen and trump could theoretically go to prison yeah well and you say all the time it's not democrats versus republicans it's us versus them right and that's what people need to need to realize is we will begin to solve this problem of a crisis of governance when people, the majority of people, the overwhelming majority of people, start realizing and operating that it's not Republican versus Democrat, it's us versus 
them. Well, during her briefing yesterday, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, she dodged all sorts of questions, didn't she? She didn't want to make any sign of, any kind of commitment as to the release of the Delaware visitor logs. She wouldn't go there. I mean, she she, she doesn't want to commit on anything. And to the point where she stopped calling on people that she thought we're going to ask questions about these documents. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen listen to this. She freely admits in this press conference she's calling on... she like The things that these people say out loud just blows my mind. And here she admits, I'm calling on the next guy because I know he won't ask about these documents anymore. Go ahead. We have the records for the Del- Delaware residents. Oh, I'm sorry. I was calling the gentleman who wanted to ask a question that was not related to this. Go ahead. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate it. I, I know I'm moving <laughs> on. I went back yesterday. All right. Uh, All right. So he, uh, he goes into some editorial or something Biden r- supposedly wrote somewhere. But the point is, our... our government is so horrific. And next segment, we're going to talk about more horrific government on a local level here mm-hmm. in Indiana. Um, but the, the our government is so horrific and awful that not only do they duck and dodge by any means possible, but they also just admit, yeah, I'm calling on this guy because I don't want to answer any more questions about well, this. Well, uh, the only thing she ever says is I'm going to refer you to the DOJ. This is a process. It's in process. I can't go on. I can't answer. I can't speak to that. So she didn't, she never gives any answer anyway. She's checking a diversity box. That's uh, what her role is. So Kimberly Guilfoyle, uh, she is, is she married to Donald Trump Jr. now or are they still just engaged? I think they got married. Did they finally actually Did get they? married? Well, she, she has yeah. a type and her type is money because <laughs> she was married to Gavin Newsom mm-hmm. and then she was married to some guy who made a gajillion dollars as a furniture heir, I believe. And then Donald Trump Jr. But you may know her from, she was on Fox News for a while and uh, amongst, uh, I think she was on CNN for a while. Um, anyway, she was on, I think this was Newsmax, and she was blasting the handling of uh, how Trump was handled over classified documents compared to Biden. He's living his best Corvette summer at taxpayers' expense, okay? I mean, this guy apparently is just bulletproof. The law doesn't apply to him. It's a total double standard. Only Trump should be repeatedly persecuted with these witch hunts and fake news investigations. But how can they now justify when you see the juxtaposition of Biden having these documents not secured whatsoever from the time when he was vice president, okay? So he doesn't even have that presidential privilege about declassifying documents. Yet, why aren't they going full force and measure against him? Instead, they raided President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, going through Melania's closet and drawers in a despicable manner, treating it like they were, um, you know, doing a raid on, you know, ISIS. It's just absolutely insane. But the American people see through this. Yeah, I don't think they're married yet, but it's true. It's hypocrisy. It's not the same. You're not getting the same treatment. Everything about it, the way it was released, discovered, different. And here's the other part of this. He used to say, well, the American people will see through this and, and the and was always, they will punish you, you know, at the ballot box. But Casey, we just elected hi, good night, everybody guy. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that plays anymore either. I think it's the only way Biden's going to get in trouble for this is if the Democrats actually want to get rid of Biden. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and get him in trouble for this. I think other than that, nothing will happen. And I also see a world in which Biden totally skates free and Trump has some serious thing thrown against him. If people are thinking now, well, Trump will be in the clear because since it's Biden too, they won't. They don't care anymore. These people do not care. And the American people keep reaffirming to them, you don't have to care. You don't think this is going to muddy the waters for anything happening with Trump? No, I think if they want to do something to Trump, there's no, it's not a, you got to do both. I think there's a way that they'll say, well, Biden was this exception for blah, blah, blah. Rule 39.8J exempted Mm -hmm. these files from criminal prosecution. And Trump, well, he's Trump, so off to jail. I I don't think there's any rules for anything anymore. I don't think there's any fairness on most things anymore. I think they just make it up as they go along and... Anything and everything is on the table. So James Comer, who is on the House Oversight Committee, he's the chair. He said it's very concerning. He wants to know what is the vice president doing with classified documents? But here's my question. And this may be completely irrelevant, but the thought did cross my mind. Where is Barack Obama on this? Because Biden, while this happened, while these classified documents were being taken Biden was his second in command. It happened during Barack Obama's presidency. Does he have an obligation to address this at all? No. This happened under my watch. He doesn't have an obligation to address anything because nobody makes him do anything. If you're not made, these politicians do stuff when they're forced to do it. Mm -hmm. Why don't Republicans here do anything about skyrocketing taxes? Why do they raise the gas tax every year? Because... People have shown, no matter what these people do, we're so afraid of a Democrat being in there, we'll vote for them regardless. So those Republicans say, (laughs) help you with your property taxes, that's cute. Well, I know he's distanced himself completely since he left the White House. And so you're saying, why why would he go back into this? Absolutely. Yeah. The media's not going to hold him accountable. So why would he hold himself accountable? Okay, so John Kennedy says Biden has four main questions he has to answer. There are a lot of other intriguing questions for the inspector general. Number one, was there a cover-up? The powers that be have known about all this since November 2nd. It's now the middle of January. Was there a cover-up? Who was involved? Number two, what's the role of the University of Pennsylvania uh, Biden Center in all of this? The, uh, The Penn Biden Center is not some normal Ivy League think tank. It was, we now know that it's in Washington, D.C. It was a hangout, a clubhouse for President Biden and his people before they were inaugurated. And allegedly, it is funded with tens of millions of dollars uh, from China. What's up with that? Um, Number three, what's the role of the National Archives in all of this? The the National Archives was scathingly critical of President Trump and his documents. Uh, They've known about all this since November 2nd or 3rd. Um, They've been missing in action with respect to President Biden and his documents. You you couldn't have found them with a search party. We still haven't heard from them. What's up with that? And I guess my fourth question is, um, did any member of Congress know about this? I didn't. And if some of my colleagues knew about it, I'd, I'd like to know why I didn't. What's up with that? Yeah? Yeah. He's a great talker. <laughs> his voting record don't always match his talking, but he's fun to listen to. 17 minutes after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 
Good morning, 1121. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Lisa Marie Presley was rushed to the hospital in critical condition, and she was in a coma and then suffered a full cardiac arrest. And then pretty soon, hours after that news broke, it was announced by her mother, Priscilla Presley, that she had passed away. And that came just days after she was at the Golden Globe Awards where she appeared unsteady. Yeah, so I talked to uh, my dear friend Shane, who runs the uh, community radio station in Brownsburg, Mm -hmm. and he is an Elvis expert. He Mm -hmm. knows all the things Elvis. And so I asked him, I said, was this like a surprising thing? And he said that she looked so bad at the mm-hmm. Golden Globes recently that I guess in the you know Elvis Facebook groups or chatterboards that many people had been deeply concerned for her given her appearance at the Golden Globes. Yeah. So Austin Butler, who is the guy who played Elvis yes. in the movie Elvis, he won an award and of course he was thanking Priscilla and Lisa Marie and uh, she was teary-eyed mm-hmm. in that and um, famous for being someone's daughter and marrying famous people. Well, you know, Shane and I were having this conversation last night that for famous people and then especially for the children of famous Mm -hmm. people, while you picture that and go, wow, what an incredible existence she might have had when you think of financially being born not on third base, but rather born with an inside-the-park home run, the actual existence itself is probably, unless you have a very firm grasp on who you are as a human being, Mm -hmm. that's probably a pretty lonely existence and in many ways a horrific existence because you are forever linked to the person that helped give life to you mm-hmm. and people always see you in the light and the eyes of that person and it is probably very hard to be your own human being yeah well, especially because she looks so much like well him. you're right and she was the only child mm-hmm. and i've always thought whether you're michael jordan's son or joe dimaggio's son or you know mickey mantle had several i mean it's why they're so rare that especially in sports that one great athlete has children who are also great athletes because it's an insurmountable amount of pressure to live up to because whatever whatever you do as elvis presley's child mm-hmm. you'll never be elvis presley right He's the greatest at that that ever lived. Elvis Presley is arguably the greatest showman that ever lived. The most beloved entertainer that ever lived. Even if you were phenomenal. You're never going to live up to those standards. You're never going to live up to those standards. And and so so it comes back to like when I talk about having a real firm grasp of who you are as a human being Mm -hmm. and what life is really all about and what is reasonable to accomplish you can probably get swallowed up in that. And it sounds like with various substance abuses over Mm -hmm. the years, she really did get swallowed up in that. And what a tortured life. Married four times, very open about addiction problems. Her father died young. Her parents divorced when she was young. Her son committed suicide. She looks so much like her dad. And I've lost my father. But when I go to an antique store, there's not pictures of him everywhere. Right. When I, you know... I'm out and about. I don't see his face. He's not. He's not been 
Andy, you know, had the Andy Warhol effect right. everywhere. It, it's, I mean, that has got to be torturous. Someone you love, but they're gone, but they're still everywhere. And, and you know, it's interesting too. And I, obviously, you can't ask her now about this, but that movie, and we talked about that movie as a colossal pile of crap because it's things that didn't happen, mm-hmm. things are out of order, things are exaggerated. It's a very entertaining movie. It's entertaining, but if somebody went thinking they're going to learn about Elvis, I mean, straight up, the main part of the movie did not happen. Mm-hmm. Elvis did not go out on stage and start cursing people and just quit and walk off. I mean, that that it's based loosely on one minor thing that happened, but the whole movie is centered around that, and that didn't... It's like... And I think the guy who did the movie said, I wanted to make Elvis a superhero. And this is what Elvis would have been like as a superhero. Mm -hmm. But seeing that movie, you are reinforced the tortured life that Elvis did live. Mm -hmm. And the general premise of that, while the exact events are not true, the premise of that is true. And to be reminded of that and then to be reminded that your father was taken at a young age because he was not loved while people loved him. The people around him used him and did not care for him and drove him to an early grave. For someone with substance abuse problems and who is prone to addiction, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this happened, but that could easily set you over the top to be subjected to that once again. Yeah. And how interesting. I mean, she was at the crossroads, daughter of King of Rock, and at one point married to the King of Pop. Which is also very weird. That whole Michael Jackson marriage thing was very weird. I mean, it was only two years, but... Two days with Michael Jackson could probably <laughs> thoroughly mess you up. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. When we come back. Yeah. We have something very special for our audience. It was a collaborative project. You and me and Kev, <laughs> we all went in together for a very special treat for the audience. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, we will uh, reveal it coming up from 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, they blew up a chicken man in Philly last night. Now they blew up his house too. Good morning. It is 1131. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. On 93 WIBC. You know, we take your voicemails at 317-684-8444. We like to play them back every morning around 1030. And it's one of my favorite parts of the show because I think hearing from you is uh, more important than (laughs) hearing from our politicians. (laughs) But occasionally we get on a topic like we did earlier in the week where we were talking about the greatest guitarist of all time, the Mount Rushmore of guitarists. Yes. And we got a lot of phone calls about that. Yes. And then I I recall one time we were talking about how the Mexican pizza from Taco Bell was coming back, and we got a lot of phone calls about that. Yes. But then when we were talking about property taxes, which affects a whole bunch of people, the phone just didn't ring as much. And you were really discouraged by that, Rob. Well, this happens on all sorts of things. We talk about this all the time, where there are these very important news events, like Mm -hmm. things that are related directly to you Mm -hmm. and a bevy of topics, and we just, like, you get no response. And then it's something, no offense, silly, Mm -hmm. like, who's the fourth guitar player on a on a made up Mount Rushmore of guitar players mm-hmm. and you get like 
a flood. I mean, the, the shut the voicemails down. Yeah. And this is frustrating. While we love everyone who listens and we love regardless of why you listen, this is frustrating because this is why the politicians get away with it. If you put as much effort into making sure they know that you know that they're full of crap about how they're stealing money from you through this property tax scam, as you did calling about the guitar player, we might be able to get something done about this. Mm -hmm. And it happens on topic after topic after topic after topic. Pizzas or guitar players, you'll (laughs) fill the voicemail box up. Mm -hmm. But the stuff that matters, Mm -hmm. it's like pulling teeth that get you to be involved. No, I think... I think this happened on Tuesday, and I'm going to blame it on it being a Tuesday that you were upset about this. But let's just go ahead and remind our listeners about that conversation we had earlier in the week. We flooded the phone bank with calls about the guitar player, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. I know everybody's passionate about music, but the fact that we are flooding with calls about the guitar player Mm -hmm. and not the property tax... Mm -hmm. And Matt and I had this conversation out in the lobby before the show. That is concerning to me that we can, and this happens all the time, where it's a Mexican pizza or a guitar player or whatever, and we get 30 phone calls, and then we're talking about, which the guitar player doesn't affect anyone. And then the thing that the government is taxing you to the point where people may be forced to flee their homes, and I can get like three phone calls. Mm-hmm. So what what is going on here? Well, you know what you need to do is uh, you need to write a song about property taxes. What am I, Adam so the, Sandler? What? How am I going to do that? I don't know do anything it. about music. You if I write lyrics, will you play the music? Yeah. We oh, can do perfect. That. There we go. All right. So you said that off the cuff. Yeah. What am I going to do? Right. I don't know anything about music other mm-hmm. than to recognize good music when I see it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we decided to have a little collaborative effort here. Yes. And Kevin suggested you write this song. Yeah. He said, you're going to write the song? Okay. Well, he did, because he's a musician. Yes. So we've got Kevin on music. Kevin played the guitar on this. Casey on lyrics. Yes. And Rob Kendall performing. And let me say, this was an incredible uh, experience here as I went into the studio (laughs) with Kevin. What do you guys call it in the music business? We were laying down tracks? Yeah, we we booked a little session session in the stew. Yeah. A little little session in the stew. We were laying down tracks. Kevin was like Quincy Jones and We Are the World. And I was (laughs) like Huey Lewis there with my big can headphones on. Yeah, I was queuing you in, and I was giving you advice, and it got philosophical at one point. Yeah, and then we went and pounded some brews at a uh-huh. local brewery, yeah. and we did some more philosophicking. And uh, I, was- I haven't heard the finished product, and I'm so excited. Yeah, I haven't, to hear I haven't it. either. I have no idea what Kevin ultimately came up with. I want to say Kevin this, had to mix it down. This is what. Yeah, he was mixing. He was power jamming, mega mm-hmm. mixing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we did because we had to have a song to take from, so we used. Atlantic City by Bruce Springsteen, (laughs) which is also the band did a famous cover of as and we use that as our intro music for this segment. So you heard a little bit of it uh, as our base, as our cover Uh of a cover slash parody of property tax protest song, the property tax protest song. So we hope Mm -hmm. maybe people will start flooding the voicemail 
on this one, or maybe this will inspire you to write your state house member, your state senate member, mm-hmm. high tax Holcomb, mm-hmm. and say, please, this wonderful protest song has me inspired to do something about my property taxes so that me and the old people and the people on the fixed incomes and Hoosier across the Hoosiers across the state can afford to live in their homes. Okay, so are we ready to I'm so excited. Here we go. It is the Kendall and Casey property tax protest song. Will they blew up the budget in Indy last night And they blew up our wallets too Down on West Washington They're getting ready to fight Gonna see what the Republicans can do Now there's trouble coming from property taxes And the people can't get no relief Gonna be a rumble with all these big old jackasses and the house assessors hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Well now, taxes rise, baby. That's a fact. But maybe taxes will rise and someday come back. Put your game face on, make your finances pretty. Notes. That's pretty good, isn't it? I'm so proud of you. My the the crazy thing is my singing as Bruce Springsteen was mm-hmm. markedly better than my actual singing. Yeah. Because I told yeah. Kev we did a couple takes, you know, just ripping off the boss, and I said, let me do one on my own, uh-huh. and it was like horrific, as bad as that was. Yeah. The other one was even more horrific. I I'm just I I'm I'm pretty impressed. Well, yeah. and as you as you know, you're the Bernie Taupin of this little thing here because you wrote the lyrics to <laughs> lyrics. that. So uh, and Ke- and Kev there getting some sort of producer credit. Mm-hmm. And I did the guitar as yeah. well. And, yeah, and and the in and the in there, the mixing. I mean, that is mm-hmm. that is some A plus work there, uh, Kevin McNamara. Thank you. Yeah, I don't like to throw around the term genius a lot. <laughs> Um, I think that's something that should be earned, but I think it's safe to say we earned it. Well, I, I think I think so, and our hope is, and we'll maybe play this again from time to time uh, mm-hmm. throughout the legislative session, because no doubt these people at the state house will do nothing to help you for as long as possible. That maybe that will inspire people to look up who your state house member or state rep is yeah. and say, "Please help me with the property taxes." And now we know what Hammer and Nigel records go through. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing, and not to in any way underscore what they do, mm-hmm. I think we put a little more into the mixing and production. <laughs> uh, and again, they are phenomenal. Hammer and Nigel records are great. I think Hammer just finds some music without the words and then uh-huh. puts a couple vocals on top of it. Karaoke Kevin style. was mixing. He was actually he was strumming that music Because mm-hmm. I told Kevin, I said, why don't we just like find an audio version of Atlantic City mm-hmm. to save you time? He's like, no. No, I am playing this, mm-hmm. and a drum. Even though Kevin is a drummer by trade, he just yeah. ripped it. It was awesome. That was legit. We were looking up the guitar tablature on that. That song has <laughs> four notes in it, doesn't it, Kevin? It's like E minor, G, C, and D, maybe. Uh, e minor, G, C, G, and then there's a D right before the chorus. Yeah, yeah that's an, that's so it's very intricate stuff. That's yeah. really uh, amazing. I'm so proud of that, Kevin. You did. Uh, uh, so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey, you, uh, the lyrics were phenomenal. Hey, you know. I mean, think about, because <laughs> I can't tell you how awful I sounded on that. And that actually kind of sounded 
okay. It's kind of okay. So think about when you listen to your favorite auto-tuned artist, whether mm-hmm. it's Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera mm-hmm. or uh, whoever, mm-hmm. they probably sound like total garbage uh, like I did. I think that may be <laughs> the first song in history about property taxes. Yeah, it's great. So well, hopefully it does us some good. Here's the thing, too. I want to add this. There was no auto-tune. Yeah. Oh. I, I did not use any auto-tune on that, so that was all you. That was all me? Yeah. Wow. You are, you are a talented human being. Authentic. Man. And Casey wrote excellent uh, poetry, so <laughs> got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, we have a special guest coming up mm-hmm. next, but uh, we got about two minutes here before we got to go to a break. I did want to point out, I went to the uh, Brownsburg Town Council meeting last night. Yes, and I saw the pathetic picture. Yes. You went there, and I asked you, did you get to do your comments? Yes. And you said you delivered them to an empty chair. Yes, I uh, so we're going to talk, be talking a lot about our old friend Lion Ben Lacey. He's one of those greedy piggies on the town council who took that massive raise yeah. while they continue to raise our water and sewer rates every year. No money for that, but the mm-hmm. council found basically five grand a piece to give themselves big give them raises. Money. So I said, well, I'm going you know, to come to the council meeting. We had some other topics about uh, various properties in Brownsburg that I uh, discussed with them. And we'll talk a lot more about that uh, later because I think that might be a, a big old story coming up. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, I did go up there and say, I'm going to tell them once again about their massive raises and how sad I was. And he wasn't there. Yeah. Like, so did he, you did you say what you went to say? Oh, yeah. I said the things I went to say, but I don't want to talk about those yet because okay. that's going to be, I think I'm getting some more information on that may be a much bigger story than, than we know. But here's the point. These guys on this council mm-hmm. gave themselves... $5,000 raises mm-hmm. and the very first meeting after regular meeting after giving themselves the raises he doesn't even show up hmm. he wasn't sick mm-hmm. you know what he was doing Casey what? and this guy makes $818 a meeting roughly that's what it comes out to he only has to go to 22 meetings a year $818 a meeting you did the math oh I did the math that. on it of course it. you did the math he was coaching that. a basketball game oh basketball game was. This is government. Yeah. This is why people hate government. They get to choose which meetings they come to, They huh? take and they take and they take and they don't even show up. All right. Don't move to Brownsburg. We're going to talk with Lindsay Marie coming up with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. I've got to follow that dream wherever that dream may lead. i got to follow that dream. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And you know what, Casey? I made an executive choice this morning. What's that? Said we're ending the show on a not only positive but funny note. I like it. It's Friday. Because, well, as you know, most of our politicians are a complete joke. Mm-hmm. So let's talk to someone <laughs> who can tell some real jokes. Uh, joining us now on the drivehubler.com hotline, longtime friend of the show. You knew her for years as our go to political consultant advice person. Now she's giving it all up. She's in the world of comedy. Our good friend Lindsay Marie. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm great. So what are you doing? You're doing something here in Indianapolis in the comedy world Saturday night. Tell us about it. 
I am. So I'm super excited to come back up to Indy for comedy. Um, Red Flag Comedy, it's, it's an independent organization that puts on shows throughout the city. They're doing their first big show of the year at Rooster's Kitchen. Um, it is going to be a really good lineup. Tickets are $10 at Eventbrite. Doors open at 7, shows at 8, and we have the very funny Dion Curry headlining. So it's going to be a fun night. Okay, so there's a uh, slew of very funny people. You're included. I want to ask you about that in just a second. Uh, but Roosters, that's downtown, right? In the greater downtown yep. area? Yep, Roosters Kitchen. I think it's at 8 Mass Ave. Yep. Right. Yep, on Mass yep. Ave, next to Bottleworks District. Great, Casey. We can yep. get some high-profile high drinks. We can roll around Mass Ave. We can see if anybody recognizes us and then go see Lindsay Murray at the Rooster's uh, comedy show. How about Sounds that? Sounds like a plan to me. All right, Lindsay Murray. So I, I have to ask you this because we used to have you on this show. Hey, you're on Hammer and Nigel all the time. You were a very high-profile political person. People gave you gobs and gobs of money to, for their causes or their <laughs> candidates. You woke up one day and said, I'm done with all this. I'm going to comedy. Why did you do that? Oh, I think the people in politics broke me. <laughs> you know what? I mean, really, I think you the way to get into comedy is to get a political science degree because, like, what the hell? Like, what else are you going to do with it these days, right? Like, I'm still getting yelled at. I'm still getting angry people. So I'm used to it. I can take it. It makes me a, a good punching bag. So I think I'm actually made for it. Is it hard to get into comedy? Like, take us through the process because you started basically from scratch. You had this other career and you said, I'm going to do something different. How hard has this been for you to do? I would say stand-up specifically is probably the hardest thing I've ever done comedically. It's a very finicky mistress. The uh, highs are high and the lows are very low. But I had been at Second City for three years doing improv and sketch comedy, and I learned a lot of different comedic stuff, acting. Um, but stand-up is the one that, you know, every day is going to be different. Every audience is different. You never know what's going to get thrown at you, literally, nowadays. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you just got to be quick on your feet. And uh, I kind of had some things, I think, my past life that made me a little bit better at handling a few of the situations so Lindsay marie you said your past life was there one pivotal moment that you thought you're this is it i'm walking away from politics i think over the course of all the years i've been in it just became very angry and very violent people towards the end of it were you know threatening others with violence and doxing and it was all you know if you're not with us you're against us we hate you if you're not red you're you know you're blue and we hate you for that or vice versa like it just became this whole culture that I didn't want to be a part of anymore and you know I could either make someone really really angry or I could make them laugh and I'd much rather make them laugh and that's a lot more fun on my end. Hmm. Lindsay Marie is our guest she is uh, performing at Roosters downtown tomorrow night. All right, so tell us, what's the worst thing that's happened to you on stage so far? What 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 is the absolute thing where you said, I, I'm considering getting out of this industry? I mean, not good. Nothing that extreme has happened to me specifically. I I think it's more just watching a lot of other people go up and just bomb over and over and make you want to quit. <laughs> Do you get nervous? No, you, Do you, is it, are you nervous up in front of people? Because we don't have to see anyone. Casey and I just, you know this, we just look at each other. And yeah, there's tens of thousands of people listening, but we just look at each other. We forget the people are there. You have to see them. And that would, I think that would mortify me. I love seeing the people. The worst thing is when you go on a stage and the lights are at a certain height where you actually can't see anyone. Yeah. To me, that's worse. Um, but during the pandemic, so 
I was at Second City. They would send us home every once in a while whenever the pandemic would get worse. We would actually have to do Zoom shows. And doing stand-up or sketch or anything comedic over Zoom where you can't see people's reactions and you can't hear them, like you're performing into total silence in your own bedroom, yeah. is like probably the best like, <laughs> test, like tester, right, to see if you can handle it. Because now I can go up in a room, and if there's two audience members, it's not going to phase me. Because yeah. it's two more than I had before. Do you know instinctively when you start doing your material oh, this is a good crowd, oh, this is a bad crowd, and do you change what you do based on the reaction? Yeah, definitely when you walk in, you can start to tell. I don't normally go up first. I'm a little bit normally middle or later, so I can gauge what's going on. You can feel if it's a tight audience, and it's like a visceral feeling. You know that they don't want to laugh. So <laughs> you're hoping that the show's going to have like a good MC who's going to warm them up and get them ready to laugh. Um, otherwise, there are tactics you kind of learn, like crowd work, to start to loosen them up a little bit to get them ready for your actual material. Um, I don't typically change my stuff up too much. Different areas of the country, I'm more aware of boundaries and lines and oh, what's yeah. going to get me uh, <laughs> probably heckled. I never, and I never thought about that. Lindsay, I never, yeah. I never thought about that. Casey made a great point. Do you guys like do rock, paper, scissors to see who has to go out there first? Because that's a probably a <laughs> sizable competitive disadvantage. Well, it depends on what kind of show it is. If you're doing a sh- like a showcase or a real show, you don't have an MC who's going to go up and like they have a lot of energy. They they should be in tune to like how to get an audience ready and looped up for laughter. But I've seen some really bad MCs that will go up and literally ask the census questions. <laughs> And then you're just like, oh, my God, you were literally just killing it. And not in the good way. Like, I want to go hang myself because you've just ruined my entire set and everyone else is here. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Ron DeSantis says that woke goes to die in Florida. Do you find that your material, it, you mentioned, you know, you can push it a little farther in different parts of the country. Like, how, how does that affect you getting over, like, the wokeness? I mean, for me, I really, it's, I, it's, it's interesting. I don't get into politics much, but I do get blue. I do go pretty dark with humor. And so I know certain areas and how they're going to react to me. I also know in certain areas, um, I'll watch, you know, male comedians go up and make dirty jokes. But the minute a female does, the reaction is completely different. Mm. And so you start to learn what that sort of feels like, looks like. And most of the time, I do stand up for myself. I'm not doing it for anyone else. Yeah. So I'm exactly, I'm going to go up and do what I want to do. And you can like it or you can leave it. And I don't really care either way most of the time. That's, it, that's, <laughs> exa- that's exactly how I am with this radio show. You guys know that. Yeah, you people are lucky to hear me each day. <laughs> that must be a very freeing, liberating feeling. Like, I'm here for me. If you like it, great. If not, there's the door. I mean, it is the thing. You don't have to listen to it. You can get out on your phone if you want to. I'm not going to be offended. I've done that to other comedians, I'm sure, myself at times. <laughs> but, you know, you're not listening to it for it that long. I'm not, not doing things on purpose for shock value. I'm not trying to antagonize the audience. Um, but if you grow that material that I know is good, I am going to push back on the audience. Mm-hmm. And normally that will shut them down, and then I can keep going. But um, all right, Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay Marie, it is tomorrow night. You will be doing stand up. What time? What time can people see you again at Roosters? The show starts at eight. Doors open at seven. So come get good wings, beer, get ready for a good night of comedy and support local comedy. And you can get your tickets at the door if you desire. 
Yes, but I will say right now, I think there's about like 10 to 15 left. So I would go on Eventbrite and get them. They're cheaper there than they will be at the door. Okay, there you go. A friend of the show, Lindsay Marie. Good luck tomorrow night. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. And that's a full lid for us. Rob, thank you. Kevin, good job. Good job, Parker, as well. And we will see you back here Monday, 9 until noon, with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Have a wonderful weekend.